0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk, a podcast series by the Underwriters Laboratories Electrochemical Safety Research Institute. Let's Talk aims to hear the views and learn from scientists, researchers and subject matter experts about specific areas of interest in the energy storage sector and to share the knowledge with our collaborators. I'm your host Rindu. And today, let's talk advancing global safety through standards with our guest, Sonia Bird. Sonia is the Director of International Standards for Underwriters Laboratories. In this role, she is responsible for developing and implementing the International Standards Strategy, including leading UL's International Standards Outreach and Relationships, and overseeing UL's International Harmonization Activities. She is also the U.S. representative of the International Electrotechnical Commission, Standardization Management Board, and the Vice President Technical of the U.S. National Committee of IEC. Within the IEC, Sonia is also active on the Council Board task forces, addressing diversity and sustainable development goals. She has been recognized for her contributions to international standardization by the IEC, American National Standards Institute, and the Society for Standards Professionals. She was also named a Distinguished Member of Technical Staff at Underwriters Laboratories in recognition of significant and sustained contributions to the fulfillment of UL's public safety mission. Sonia, welcome to Let's Talk podcast. It's great to have you as our very first guest.
1: Oh, Rindu, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Sonia. So please tell us about your journey as an international standards expert in the safety standards field. Oh, sure, this is always such a great question, thank you. Um, The joke within the standards community is that no one when they were six years old wanted to grow up to be a standards professional. You know, a child talks about being a firefighter or a teacher or a nurse or an architect And no child ever says they want to be a standards writer. Um, For me, I was always very technically apt. I loved science and math growing up. So I studied electrical engineering in college. And as I graduated and was looking for a job, I saw an advertisement for a job um, described as looking for an engineer who can write. And I loved the sound of that. I applied for the position and I got it and I fell in love with standards development. Um, As you might imagine, that job was for the role of engineer or standards project manager in the standards department of underwriters laboratories. And I focused on many of the traditional UL safety standards in that first job, including um, fans, power supplies and battery chargers and portable tools. And I'd have to say I was pretty lucky because the portable tool industry was one of the first industries that was interested in harmonizing requirements with Canadian standards for a common standard for the U.S. and Canada. And when we started that project, we said, you know, why not think bigger? And we decided to binationally adopt the IEC standards for portable tools. And I'd say that project gave me my start in the wonderful world of international standards. Great.
0: So how did your work take you from UL standards project manager to harmonization of requirements to representing the United States on international committees, such as the IEC Council Board Task Force on Sustainable Development Goals?
1: Well, once I was involved in harmonization and adopting IEC standards, it really was a natural progression to get involved in the U.S. and the IEC policy committees. And being involved on the technical committees is wonderful. But I I think we also have a responsibility to support the international work through serving as leaders in the operation. I became active in the U.S. National Committee to the IEC, and was asked to serve as a USNC Vice President Technical. And in addition to chairing the USNC Technical Management Committee, another responsibility of this role is to represent the United States on the IEC Standardization Management Board or the SMB. And that's the group at IEC responsible for the technical work of the IEC and responsible for the oversight of the IEC Technical Committees. The SMB is also responsible for studying key issues affecting the IEC, including such timely issues as the Sustainable Development Goals.
0: Okay, so globally, we are witnessing exponential growth, innovation, and development across various sectors. According to you, how significant are safety standards to determine safety, security, and sustainability of the world around us?
1: Oh, excellent question, Rindu. Um, Standards really are a powerful tool for empowering trust, and they do so much to help develop and establish a safety, secure, and sustainable program for the world. Within UL standards, we historically focus on safety requirements and in particular, electric shock, risk of fire and mechanical hazards. Legacy UL standards include household and consumer products such as appliances and smoke alarms and building standards, including those for wire and cable. But as technology has changed and as innovative designs continue to lead to new creations and opportunities, the needs for standards has changed as well. And I'd say UL standards now consider modern challenges, such as cybersecurity concerns, interoperability issues, sustainability opportunities. The world is changing and our standards are adapting as well. And this is critical. As I mentioned, standards are a powerful tool for empowering trust. And our stakeholders need to be able to see that we are addressing the technical challenges and opportunities of today and considering those of tomorrow.
0: Great insight, uh, Sonia. So how does uh, UL's safety science research and scientific principles support you and your team in creating safety standards? And uh, can you share a few examples where research and standards development have been applied in tandem for developing global
1: safety standards? Sure. Um, Underwriters Laboratories is a unique organization in the standards development world with world-class research taking place by in-house experts. And the standards organization wants to take full advantage of that research and use it to keep UL standards current. We also wanna be seen as a partner to our research family by helping to provide avenues for publication globally. And I'd say one great example of cooperation between research and standards is in the area of lithium batteries. While the UL Electrochemical Safety Research Institute or ESRI has conducted research, we in standards have been open to incorporating relevant research into UL standards. We have also helped establish Dr. Judy G. Rajan, Vice President of Research at ESRI, and others on mere committees to the IEC Technical Committees for Batteries. In our international standards outreach, we often promote the outcomes of the research. Underwriters Laboratories conducts rigorous independent research and analyzes safety data. We convene experts worldwide to address safety risks. We share knowledge through safety education and public outreach initiatives, and we develop standards to guide safe and sustainable commercialization of evolving technologies. And we know that together we can do so much more to address global safety, especially by promoting research outcomes. That's
0: really uh, good to know, Sonia, about all the work that. UL is doing uh, with respect to advancing uh, safety standards. Um, UL has written standards uh, for many products for a long time. What is the process flow within UL for the creation of standards? And do you face any challenges during the standards development
1: process? Well, at the center of the UL standards development process is the consensus body, the standards technical panel, or what we call the STP. This is the group responsible for making sure the technical content of the standard keeps pace with technology and addresses the safety, security, and sustainability needs. But proposals for new standards or revisions of standards is not limited to the STP members. UL's standards development process is very open and transparent, allowing anyone at any time To propose a change to a UL standard. This is a key differentiator for UL uh, from other standards developers. The key steps in the current UL standards development process include development of proposed new standard or proposed modification to an existing standard, review of the proposal by the STP and stakeholders. Ballot and public review, and finally, recirculation and publication. The UL standards development process has evolved over time and will continue to evolve to address stakeholder needs and to allow us to take advantage of new technology.
0: Thank you, Sonia. Recently, we have been hearing a lot about a more gender-sensitive approach to standards. What are your recommendations to promote gender diversity and mainstreaming gender in the development and implementation of uh, standards
1: across the world? Um, One thing I've learned in my standards development experiences is the need for diversity on the technical committees. And diversity can mean diversity in stakeholder category. Uh, For example, manufacturer versus consumer or regulator. It can mean geographic diversity, and in the case of UL, directly reflects our effort to encourage more international participation in our standards development work. And diversity can mean gender diversity or having representation from those who could be affected by a standard or the product or service covered by the standard. So two key international standards organizations, the IEC and ISO formed a Joint Strategic Advisory Group or JSAG to address the need for gender responsive standards. And I'm I'm proud to say that I'm a member of that group representing the IEC. And in my preparatory reading and in the discussions within the JSAG, I've really learned so much about the need for gender responsive standards. So, uh, Rindu, as you can imagine, there are physical differences, including height or size of hands and fingers that exist between men and women. Um, But more than that, the JSAG has learned that there are other differences that exist between men and women. And other physical differences may include, for example, body fat percentage or differences in peripheral vision, differences in sound and sensitivity to sound pain tolerance, hormones, and even various strength characteristics, such as upper body strength or grip strength. In addition to having diversity on the committee, the committee should try to obtain and use data that applies to diverse populations, reflecting these differences as appropriate.
0: This is really interesting. Um, Can you share an example of
1: uh, when a standard was gender responsive? Oh, sure, I'd love to. Um, One example that's come up recently at UL was in the development of a standard for UL 3741, the standard for safety for photovoltaic or PV hazard control. And this standard and standards development did account for gender inclusivity or gender responsiveness. The standard is intended to help reduce shock hazards for firefighters, who are responding to emergencies on homes with photovoltaic systems. As research was collected for the standard, it was noted that physical differences such as body weight and skin sensitivity could have a direct effect on certain threshold limits for electricity. They realized that women tended to have lower threshold limits than most men. Both male and female firefighters were considered in the calculations of the potential current that could pass through a firefighter's body during various firefighting interaction scenarios with the damaged PV array. And as a result, for the protection of female firefighters, the standard uses DC body resistance data as modified for females, which is roughly two thirds the limit for males.
0: Great. This is a great example. Um, What would be your advice to the future generation who want to build their career
1: in the field of safety standards? Oh, Renju, I love this question. Um, I'd say really the standards world has been so good to me and I can see so many options for younger professionals today. I'd say one piece of advice, I WOULD GIVE WOULD BE TO GET INVOLVED IN STANDARDS COMMITTEES TO HAVE A BETTER APPRECIATION FOR HOW STANDARDS ARE DEVELOPED AND UNDERSTAND THE NUANCES THAT EXIST. I WOULD ALSO ENCOURAGE A NEW PROFESSIONAL TO BUILD HIS OR HER NETWORK. LEARN WHO YOU CAN RELY ON INTERNALLY AND EXTERNALLY TO SERVE AS MENTORS OR TO PROVIDE ADVICE ON VARIOUS TOPICS. And my final piece of advice would be for someone to be willing to step outside their comfort zone and ask questions. I think all of these can help encourage young professionals to get even more involved and active in standards development.
0: Great. Thank you so much, uh, Sonia. I think this has been a really very, very interesting and insightful talk. And it was a pleasure having you on our very first uh, podcast, and I'm sure that our listeners uh, would have enjoyed uh, hearing more about uh, standards uh,
1: development. Thank you so much. Rindu, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you today and sharing a little bit about standards development and international standards development in particular. And um, I look forward to hearing more from you and, and the listeners at a later date. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. In today's
0: podcast, we heard from Sonia about her role at UL, her work with IEC to promote global safety through standards, and her recommendations to promote gender diversity in the development and implementation of standards across the globe. Friends, thank you for listening. And stay tuned for episode 2 of the Let's Talk podcast series.